Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. One down, 11 to go. It's February in 2020 and we've got plenty to get to today. I am Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. We are off and rolling here. We'll have uh, plenty of discussion about Nebraska basketball. Uh, they're, they're in a little bit of a funk right now. Cam Mack is not in a bit of a funk. Kevin Cross over the last couple games, not in a funk. Kevin Cross. Yeah, that's something. Um, so we've got that, uh, and Chris Hetty from the Omaha World-Herald uh, will join us uh, to discuss that and the Chiefs. Ooh. He's uh, a Kansas City boy. Are you celebrating already, or is this a, a something with your kids? Because you've got glitter under your left eye. I have glitter under my left <laughs> yeah. eye? It's probably just something my daughter was doing. Yeah, ex- See, that's just fine. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a pre-celebration. I'm a girl dad. Exactly. Yeah. That's actually, that, yeah. that, that's been a big thing this week. That happened, uh, obviously, this, pa- morning, this yeah. past weekend after we had our show. Um, Cole, I've, I've talked uh, quite a bit this week on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Can, can we just get your thoughts off the top of the show before we dive into all yeah. the, the basketball? We get to Hetty and Chiefs, but uh, just the passing of Kobe Bryant. Lakers had their first home game last night. Yeah. Big memorial. All kind of all of that rolled out the red carpet for it. Yeah. Um, I So I didn't cheer for the Lakers, but I, I kind of, I mean, I, I watched a little bit here and there. I'm not a big NBA guy. I wasn't a Kobe guy either, but um, when, when he was in the playoffs and the finals, that's kind of when I would come around. Um, definitely respected his game, his competitiveness. He was unbelievable. Um, the thing that, the thing that strikes me with, with this whole tragedy, uh, it, it hits close to home because when I turned 41, um, our oldest, our first of two girls will be 13, the ages of Kobe and Gianna, um, that's just five years from now. Um, so he just retired, what, three years ago, three right? Three years ago. Was going to get into the hall this year, it sounded like. Um, he won't be able to hear his Hall of Fame speech. So not only did he have a lot left in his life at 41, I mean, he was influencing this generation of basketball. He was producing and writing films and winning an Oscar. and. Okay. You know, supported women's sports, went to the World Cup, went to UConn with his daughter. Like, all of that was still in front of him at 41. Has he, he looked happier over the last three years, hasn't he? I mean, he, I, I mean, you can tell when you talk about his, his family. Yeah, that he you, you really, see him on the basketball court. Yeah. Obviously, he's happy. He's, he's driven. He wants to have that success to climb that ladder there. Yeah. But watching him watch his, watching him be a dad. You could see just how happy he was to do that. Yeah. Uh, from the clips you'd, you'd watch of him just watching Gianna play, she'd make a move, and he'd just sit back and smile. Mm. It's the little things like that that now we don't get to see that influence going forward on that, on women's sports, on world sports, uh, but also just on everyday life. He loved to talk about how to just be a how to be a dad. Mm. It wasn't even just about his kids. He he loved to help others and say, "You got to be here for your kids." Yeah, reached out to to Shaq's son on Sunday morning. Even yeah, and, oh Sharif. I mean, so so there's all that that he's not gonna get. But for his daughter to be lost so early in her life at 13, she had a I mean clearly a bright future in basketball. She was looking at UConn and the WNBA as an eighth grader, and uh, that that's what that's what gets me is like the fact that they were in that helicopter flying to one of her games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that that that's what get the emotions to come out because you know, like I said, it's not like I've, um, you know, followed his his career post basketball. You just I just kind of see it as a sports fan tangentially, um, as as he you know shows up at the All Star game or um, shows up at a World Cup match for for the women or what have you. Um, but seeing all the coverage on Sunday and since then, uh, the, the the relationship he had with his daughter that's what gets me. So I'm actually wearing this morning um, my. Uh, my dance dad shirt. Nice, for, I like uh, that for gymnastics or not. For, my son's in gymnastics. Um, for my daughter and her dance troupe, I've got her name on my sleeve, and so that's uh, part of what I'm doing today. And um, under my Chiefs hoodie, of course, all of the all of the Chiefs. It gear. all it all has to it all has to tie together. Does it feel weekend. like it's been a month since the conference title games? It feels like it's been like three years. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Like, I mean, the Super Bowl break, like, but the break between the the, title, the championship weekend and the Super Bowl, it's two weeks long. It's really long if you're not 
following who's in it. See, I'm not a big fan of really but, either holy team. crap. But for you, as someone who's waited for the Chiefs yeah. to get there, yeah. well, <laughs> it, you're it's Bears. like the anticipation of when is it finally going to be here. Yeah, you're a Bears guy, right? Like, yeah. The 2006, 5, whatever that Super Bowl was when mm-hmm. they played the Colts, was that like the longest wait ever for you too? Like, do you remember that lead up? I, I do. You're younger, at, obviously. At the, at the same time, I was like... I was like 15, 16 years yeah, old. Yeah. To to me, it was while we're waiting for that. I was in the middle of high school basketball yeah. season. Um, that would have been what, like my freshman year of high school. I didn't like I cared. Yeah. But I had plenty of other things going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I have other things going on too, obviously. <laughs> um, but you're, you know, my my. I hadn't been waiting my, my job, entire life for yeah, it. My day job does not distract me enough to get me away from Chiefs <laughs> coverage. I'm sorry to say. I yeah. There's there's so much lead up and there's so much analysis like I'm just I've seen all the chief stuff all year and now all the 49ers stuff's coming out like oh my gosh the 49ers defense is really good and and I'm like yeah but have you seen Patrick Mahomes <laughs> like they had nobody stopped the Titans defense was supposed to have been really good and you know it I I'm just really excited for the game I'm still very confident I am I'm honestly thinking that the Chiefs are going to win and I'm not going to I'm not going to be sure what I'm going to do with myself um, other than go to the parade on Wednesday, of but, course. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been a long time since I've watched actual football, and I just feel like it needs to happen immediately. And we're still like, I don't know, eighteen or not not longer. Twenty that. Yeah, it's something 36, like that. Thirty six hours away. Math, more like that. Yeah, we're we're math. we're x number of hours away. At least it's a five thirty kickoff. Yes, I know the game's going to take like five hours. Yeah, but at least it's. Kind of middle of the afternoon, later in the middle of the afternoon. It's not to the evening yet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes me happy that I'll stay up to watch it. I'm going to go watch it at Mark Vale's house. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I've I've hosted for the divisional round and the championship game, and I'm don't just change it that way. No, don't don't mess with success. Keep the same guest list for the most part. Not the same attendees. Not everybody can make it to all those games, but um, yeah, still going to watch in the same spot on my couch. I might get a second TV up. To, to go alongside the one. Perfect. Get a little bit of dual screen action, put Twitter and, and stats on one and, and the game on the other. Hey, I know last weekend we talked about how big that the Saturday was with the women's basketball playing at 11 a.m., men's basketball yeah. playing in the afternoon. All just stacked together. And then both teams come down to kind of the final minute. Yeah. Obviously, women's basketball able to hold on uh-huh. uh, with their win at Wisconsin 72-71. That was their first road win in the conference, and then the men to go to a sold-out rack, top 25 team, yeah. and just didn't hit a shot, which, which would end up being Nebraska's final offensive possession, and Rutgers gets an offensive rebound and gets a second chance at it and hits a three with 1.1 left. With the, the guy that didn't play against Nebraska the first time. Exactly. Yeah. And he only ended up with six points in the entire game. He hit those last two. That was it, right? Yeah, that was, yeah, it. That was it. So that that's the... That's the funny yet sometimes heartbreaking part of some some game enders. It's either going to be like a Damian Lillard, yeah, or as we were talking about a Kobe Bryant, someone who who got you to that point. They're the ones who hit it. Yep. Or sometimes it's just going to be the guy who just hung around mm-hmm. and hasn't really scored a whole bunch, but he's the guy who ends up with the ball in his hands. Did you see the? I forget who made the like the analysis or the claim like Nebraska should have fouled in that situation. Did you did you see that? I I didn't, but I I know from the I don't know the exact did they have the exact analysis on fine. No, so so the the thought was Nebraska's likelihood of winning in overtime was extremely low. They were 0 and 6 on the road. Rutgers was 13-0 at home. Mm-hmm. So the thought was you can't have the team that's that's going to lose in overtime almost certainly because it's a road game because it's an overtime favors the road the home team and just generally speaking the the best chance they had would to would to have been to foul and then have the the you know control your own destiny you get the last shot maybe they miss both free throws and it's still tied maybe they only make one and you only need a two to win maybe they make both and you get a two to tie three to win that was that was the argument yeah and with Hoiberg you'd thought they'd have taken the three had the you know Rutgers made the two. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I agree with that because I, I mean, generally speaking, your chances of making a shot on the other end are less than 50% Mm -hmm. and a free throw opportunity for the other team is certainly more than 50%. 
But I thought it was interesting thinking of it as what's the likelihood that you win or lose in overtime? What's the likelihood that you win or lose on the road in, in yeah. general? I don't know. I don't know how I come down on that. I, I think that's that argument has some merit. But that being said, it's still tied. And the likelihood that they make a three in that situation is not that high yeah. either. Well, and they, they ended up getting a wide open three because of an offensive rebound. That's not something you plan on. Sure. They got the missed shot. Just didn't get the rebound well, out and, of it. And it wasn't like it was just a bang-bang, offensive rebound, kick-out shot. They still had time to set it up. And mm-hmm. it was, I mean, Geo Baker just made the right play. Yeah. Um, but it, that, I, I don't know. That, I, I, I think it, I, I could be talked into that theory. I, I could, wonder if Fred Hoiberg, if he's asked about it, what he would think of that. I could be talked into it if you're talking about what's the flow of the game, who are guys that are hitting shots, because Cam Mack missed one shot the entire game. Yeah. That was in the first half. Yep. He had 19 points, was 4 of 5 from deep. Thor was shooting over 50%, 5 of 8 from deep. Mm-hmm. Gervais Green had missed two shots on the entire game. If you could tell me that one of those three guys was going to get a clean enough look, whether down one or down two, I could be talked into that that analysis and taking that risk. Yeah. But I'm also of the mind of if you can get a defensive stop and there's going to be time on the clock... Get that defensive stop and get the get the rebound. They didn't get the rebound. Yeah, and then you have to really quick go into okay. Now we foul. How do you train that? That's a that's a really hard thing to get five guys on the court to recognize that. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And and yeah, the Charlie Easley stuff. Like, look, he's open. Take the shot. Like Fred Hoiberg told this to Kevin Cross early in the season, right? Like Kevin Cross was shooting up threes in that first game, was not making them. And Oiberg told him, "Hey, keep shooting, kid." And now he's very reliable scorer lately. Like he's he's lighting it up. And and so I feel like obviously Charlie Easley came in as a walk on, and that stigma is going to follow him anytime he doesn't do the right thing, uh, doesn't make the shot when he takes it. But Fred Hoiberg is going to stay true to Fred Hoiberg. He's going to tell Charlie Easley, "Look, man, you have that shot, you take it. That's what this team's going to be about. That's going to be the philosophy." And so I, I don't have a problem with Charlie Easley taking the shot if he's open and if he has the confidence to make it, because I think that's the that's in this year in this foundational year ground zero, uh, year zero, however you want to phrase it. If you want to have that culture take hold and take root and permeate throughout everybody on the team, the right answer is to say, yeah, heck yeah, I want Charlie Easley taking that shot if he's open. You know, like that's, I don't have a problem with it because that mentality, I think, is what you get that you'll, you'll get the fruits of that philosophy in year two and year three, um, whether it's with Charlie Easley specifically or not, I think just giving him the con showing that you have confidence in him is going to, the rest of the players on the team are going to see that. And they're going to say, Hey, he thinks Charlie Easley can do it. This kid was a walk on. Um, you know, wherever wherever I come from, whether I'm a scholarship guy or a walk-on too, I know that he's going to have confidence in anybody on this team that he puts on the floor. Two quick points. One, well, three quick points. Easley did not force up that shot. He was wide open in yeah. the corner. It yeah. came with the flow of the offense. Exactly. And the, the guys, the, the rest of the team loves Charlie. All we hear yeah. from the players and from Coach, Ho- Coach Hoiberg is how much they love Charlie. Number two, Hoiberg yesterday said that the immediate day after, Charlie was in the gym shooting yeah. nothing but right corner threes for legitimately an hour. That's all he did. He yeah. said, I missed this shot. I'm gonna, I have to get better at this yeah. to hit this shot. Yeah. And number three, because he missed that shot, Charlie's taking a little flack on social media that well, maybe he shouldn't have been the one in that position. And then some people saying, well, since Charlie's been getting significant minutes, Nebraska's lost six in a row. He's been getting double-digit minutes for the last seven games. Mm-hmm. And if we look at just First his... First one off the bench the other day. Yeah, that was that was actually cool to see. It's like, okay, moving up in the rotation. For anyone who's played NBA 2K, you're like, okay, I've, I've moved up a little bit. <laughs> um, but over the last six games, starting with Iowa, where he got double-digit minutes, plus five, that's a win. If we're looking at just plus minus. Northwestern, he was minus 13. Ohio State, minus four. Indiana, plus four. Wisconsin, plus three. Rutgers, plus four. And Michigan, minus five, and in all of those, except for Northwestern, he's in the top half to top two or three for plus-minus on the team. Yeah, He's not hurting 
anyone out there. And besides, plus minus doesn't show what happens defensively, yeah. doesn't show what you're doing off the ball on offense. Um, I think Charlie's a guy that's here to stay. It, would the depth be nicer that maybe he, he didn't have to be the guy running around out there? Would it be nice to have Shamil in the corner in that moment? Mm-hmm. Maybe Delano? Yeah. Sure. But that's not what we're at. That's not where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your 2019, 2020 Huskers are who they are. And Charlie Easley is going to be a, a fairly significant part of it, which is pretty cool to see. Um, and, and yeah, he's not going to make all the shots he takes, but nobody is. And like you said, open shot in the flow of the offense. Hoiberg wants that shot taken no matter who it is. That's I think that's the right message in year zero or year one or whatever you want to Honestly, call it. it could have been Udrago wide open in the corner. <laughs> Do you want that? No. <laughs> if it's end of the shot clock and he's the guy who's got it open, fire away, big I boy. I want Ivan taking a game-winning three this season. Off balance. Give it to me. <laughs> Please. Yes. All right. Um, we're going to get to more of Nebraska ball and discuss the Michigan game as well. Uh, that one also went against the Huskers, uh, and they're back in action today. We'll run that all down with Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald next here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Back here on the KLIN Husker Hour, Caleb Henry, Cole Stukenholtz, and it's been uh, an extremely busy, busy week as we're, we're trying to still get a hold of uh, our first guest today. And you know, not every time do do the guests come through. Um, we tried to tried to get Coach Ravel for softball, but they're actually practicing it this time. I didn't know that, but we know that going forward, softball uh, begins their season this next week uh, at the Troy Cox Invitational in New Mexico. Five games in four days. That's a way to start the season. Yeah, softball always, they seem to always do that. They get they get off with a bang and they, they just rattle off a whole lot of games. And obviously not at home. So you're hitting tournaments, you're hitting doubleheaders, you're doing all that stuff and um, that's how they roll. Yeah. Softball is one of my that time. Softball is one of my favorite sports to go to because of the the noise at the games. Not even from the fans. It's just built into the game. The the talking from all of the players. Uh, we went to uh, baseball. We we got to talk to Coach Bolt. Not obviously it would have been about eight days ago. But while we were there, softball had their practice going on in the background, and it was just nothing but noise. Uh-huh. And I love that about the game of softball. Yeah, just just built into the game, built into the players, constant noise. It's almost like a soccer match the way they've that, the way that game's kind of evolved, right? It like, it is. Yeah, it is. And if if you could get if you first of all if you could get soccer style crowds at every Nebraska sporting event, Do you hand out vuvuzelas, just put them in all the please, seats. Please, please, can we? <laughs> no. Oh, those are the words. <laughs> um, all right. Well, in, in lieu of uh, Hetty getting with us here, um, we'll still try to get a hold of him. But uh, we can. I want to jump in a little bit to the Michigan game too. We talked a little bit about uh, the Rutgers loss um, and uh, Michigan. Nebraska is obviously on a little bit of a losing skid here, uh, but they dug in and got the lead very briefly um, against the Wolverines at PBA on Tuesday, and then the wheels came off, and it was what a nineteen to three run. For Michigan, and before you yeah. knew it, it was sixty-nine to fifty-three, and yeah. uh, you can kiss your game goodbye. The Huskers, I, I, look, it was it was impressive to see them get back into the game the way they did. They they had to dig in. They had to they had to find a way to 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 stay on the right track and and just keep pounding away. And they made it happen. Uh, but you've I, I think we've seen this a few times this year, Caleb, where they just run out of gas climbing that mountain to get back into a tie or get back the lead or within one score and they just run out at the end and that's I think what happened in that in that situation with Michigan um, but we're going to dig into that now a little bit more with our next guest um, and forgive me for briefly transforming this show into the KLIN Mahomes minute but <laughs> Mr. Hetty still rocking the area code of Arrowhead Stadium the 816 uh, and it is Super Bowl weekend, so I couldn't let it go uh, without talking to Chris Hetty. Are you ready, Chris, for a Super Bowl with your own team in it? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to act or prepare. Like, what am I supposed to do at a Super Bowl that I care about? Like, 
what am I supposed to like? I'm supposed to watch the game? Oh, I'm, I'm not even. No, I'm not. But the good thing is, is that I have very low expectations. So if they lose, I'm already okay with it. Um, so I'm just gonna try and enjoy it. But it's it's um, it's a terrifying feeling that I didn't think I'd ever have in my life. I, I, I did this with Chris before the Colts game last year, the divisional round at the PBA before <laughs> one of the Husker basketball games. He was very pessimistic then, and I told him, hey, man, this Mahomes guy is different. You should be optimistic. Change your ways. And I, I got to tell you, I am, I am supremely confident. I don't know what's going to happen if the 49ers actually win because it's not even a scenario that I can play through <laughs> in my head. Hey, I love it. I'm, I'm super into that. I, I, uh, I will say, like, my brother and I are just like. I mean, obviously, I'm tortured Chiefs fans. Yeah. Like, the thing I always tell people is like, you know, if you if you didn't cheer for the Chiefs in the Tyler Sixpan era, then you don't quite understand. Yeah. Um. So, so whenever things go bad, we used to immediately go like, "Well, this is the Chiefs. Like, this is going to happen." Um. And I'm going to be watching the game with him on on Sunday. So, I'm curious. You know, when the Chiefs go down seventeen to three, uh, uh, what the reaction is going to be inside the house? Um, I don't know, man. I'm just happy that they're there. I'm really happy for Mahomes. I'm really happy for Andy Reid. I really hope that this is not like a one-time thing. I think it could be cool if they're, you know, not necessarily a dynasty. Like I don't think I don't. That's not my expectation. But if they could kind of keep going to the AFC title games and go to a couple of Super Bowls every year, like that would be, or every couple of years, like that, I would be. Absolutely down for that. I mean, I think that the city definitely deserves it. Yeah, and I, you know what? If if the Chiefs have to become the most hated team in the NFL because they're making <laughs> Super Bowls every other year, so be it. You know what? I, I'm okay with that. I also don't think. I mean, other than the fact that we we do have like um not a, not a great person at uh, wide receiver yeah. uh, who I don't I don't like having on the team. Other than that, though, like I think the reason why people hated the Patriots was like you know Tom Brady and you know whatever. I don't think you can hate Patrick Mahomes. Teddy, why do you hate Sammy Watkins? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Demarcus Robinson, oh, right? Oh, oh. Yeah, 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 there. I <laughs> no, I do love Demarcus Robinson because he had that one game, like 250 receiving yards, and he didn't do anything for like 10 weeks. Yeah, but then you just remember, like, oh yeah, he's still on the thing. Um, oh. I think the only the only wild card is Travis Kelsey. Like, people could hate Travis Kelsey. He's a, he's a hateable guy, I think. Yeah, he's he's a little different, but you know what? At least he's he's uh he's Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. All right. Let's let's spare the Bears fan uh who has Mitchell Trubisky over there, Caleb Henry, any more of this discussion. Yeah, the wanna, biscuit. Yeah. yeah I want to I want to dig into another uh pretty good player uh in Cam Mack. You kind of went through the numbers this week. They're pretty mind-blowing when you look at like comparable seasons around recent players. How 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 uh, historic is this in terms of what he's been doing and what he's on pace for, and how does that ultimately end up translating to wins or maybe at least consistency in the way they play? Yeah, I mean, so I it, I just was trying to think about it. You know, after the, the last game, you know, Cam had, I think he had 19 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. And we, we weren't talking about him. Like, we weren't talking about that. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, Cam might get a good game. And it just dawned on him, like, no, like, this is insane. Like, what he's doing we just don't see very often. And so as always, when I get bored, I just started kind of poking around, making a spreadsheet. And, you know, his last four games, he's, he's played extremely well. I think he's, he's you know, scoring like 17 a game. Um, his assists are up. His, you know, he's shooting, I think he's made nine of his last 12 threes. Um, and so then I just put together like, okay, well, let's see what he's currently on pace to finish with. I think it's like, you know, 410 points and <clears throat> 210 assists. And, um, I can't remember how many rebounds. And so I was like, well, let's just look at, like, what what does that look like in the history of college basketball? Like, has that happened recently? And that's when you start to realize, like, okay, his, his sophomore season is pretty comparable to what other sophomores have done that have, you know, been lottery picks. Uh, John Morant, as a sophomore, was obviously better than Cam. He scored more and had more assists. He was the first player to average 20 points and 10 assists in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this was the kind of season that John Morant had. And Jason Kidd, and John Morant was the number two pick. Jason Kidd, kind of a similar way. Michael Carter-Williams at Syracuse was kind of the same way. Um, the one that was, like, totally brought me back that Cam's numbers really kind of line up with is Jared Jack. And Jared Jack, had, you know, people kind of forget. I mean, he was real. He was a real deal at Georgia Tech. And, um, you know, his, his uh, numbers kind of go up to that. It, it's also... It's insane because there's a list of 14 sophomores who who are you know have the season that that Cam could potentially have if he stays on pace, 
and one of those is not Chris Paul. Uh, uh, Cam is on pace to have a better season than Chris Paul's sophomore season at Wake Forest. So, I mean, when you just kind of throw that out, it, you know, you, you say names like John Morant and Chris Paul and all that, you, you start to wonder, like, wow, you know, Cam, Cam could, you know, is he going to go to the league? Is, is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? I, I just think in general, they're asking, what it tells me is they're asking a lot of him. He's delivering. Um, now, it's not necessarily translated to wins, but I think that early this year, I mean, it's been pretty clear that this team wasn't very good, but one of the main, you know, goals or objectives of this season was getting Cam acquainted in the Big Ten. And I think that that's absolutely happened, and I think that that's huge for, for Nebraska basketball, the future of Nebraska basketball, and especially because, you know, he seems like he's really understanding what his role is as a leader. He understands what Fred Hoiberg is asking him to do inside the locker room and on the, on the court, and um, he's been pretty vocal about everyone needs to compete for 40 minutes. Everyone needs to listen to Fred Hort, like everyone needs to coach and needs to listen to him and all that. So I just think in general, even though Nebraska's lost six in a row, um, that there are some positive things going on, but particularly with Cam. Chris, that, that, that Michigan game, like you said, he almost quietly had a triple double, which is insane yeah. to think about it. Quietly end up with those numbers. There were some NBA scouts at that game that he was making their eyes get big up there in the media session next or media area next to us. Uh, and, and looking at these numbers, Mac doesn't even have all of the possible weapons he could have had this year. There's gonna there's gonna be guys next year where his assist numbers could be outrageous and in, in even bigger in 2020-2021. Yeah, I mean, I think I think my expectation for Cam next year is I think that his assist numbers will go up. I think that his points will go down a little bit and his rebounds will go down a little bit. Um, hopefully, we're not talking about a sophomore slump because that's not. Like if that happens, hopefully we're not talking about a sophomore slump because that doesn't quite match up. That doesn't quite make sense um, because he's going to, again, like you said, he's going to have more weapons. I think the most encouraging thing is, um, you know, I think Cam's going to have the ball in his hands a lot next year, but probably a little bit less. But I think the important thing is that he's efficient when he does take shots and when he does drive to the bucket or when he does shoot from three. I mean, that's the one thing of, you know, early in the year, we were talking about he's just not a good shooter. Like we were just like, yeah, you know, his form's kind of wonky and the ball's rotating weird. And um, now, like again, like I said, he's made nine of his last twelve threes. Like that's unbelievable. Uh, he's, he's all of a sudden he's shooting, I think, thirty-seven or thirty-eight percent from three. Um, and uh, you know, I think we focused on on him shooting the bow, the fake bows and arrows, but we don't quite talk about like he, he actually is shooting it, you know, pretty good from from behind the the arc. And I think that that's really important because again, next year I think. He'll have fewer opportunities to score just based on, you know, Teddy Allen is, is someone that, that likes to have the ball a lot. Delano Banton can make plays. You, know, you need to kind of give Derek Walker his touches. Jamil Stevenson, you know, is not afraid of anybody. He's, he's going to go in the lane. And um, so I think that, you know, in general, whether or not, um, you know, Kim has the ball all the time, but I do think that him shooting well is really encouraging for that. Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour talking Nebraska basketball. Uh pretty uh pretty short question here. Whose evolution has impressed you more this season? Thor or Kevin Cross? Um I'd say Thor um because Thor is consistently um an impact. I think Kevin has the ability. I mean early in the season Kevin to to his credit he, he was pretty self-aware. I mean he was like, you know, there's going to be games when I play really well and there's going to be games when I don't. That's what happens with freshmen. And which was a very mature thing to say of like, hey, sometimes I have it, sometimes I don't. And I think that, you know, he's he scored 17 two of the last three games. And th- there are things that he does that we don't give him credit for of like, he's a freshman. He's a freshman. Like, the, so it, what he's doing is impressive in the Big Ten. Like, it, like I think that he has such, you know, a high ceiling. Um, but I, I would go with Thor just because, again, I, I think a year ago right now, people weren't talking about Thor at all. Like, like it was just like, well, if Thor's in, Nebraska's going to lose because that means they're down 20. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I was talking to somebody about this, and, you know, last year there was a – there was last year about right now, Nebraska was going through a losing streak. And I can't remember what game it was, but they were preparing for a game, and um, the scout team just kicked the starter's butt. I mean, just – they just ran him up and down the floor, and – and just just beat him and, and made Tim Miles extremely mad and made the starters run for quite a bit. Um, well, sit back and think about who was on that scout team, right? Deshaun Burke, Thor, Johnny Trueblood, right? Oh. Who are who? You know, Johnny Trueblood and and Thor, are two guys at the very end of the year that kind of helped spark 
a couple wins. And, and the, the thing I have always thought is the more that you have score on the floor, the, the better off you're probably going to be in terms of just the offense moving. He doesn't need the ball. He doesn't, you know, crave it to an extent that it slows down the offense. He, he's been there before. He doesn't freak out. Um, and I think that, you know, it was notable. I asked Fred Hoberg yesterday, you know, my take of us hasn't played in the last three games. And I was curious why, you know, that that's happened. And, uh, Fred said, you know, Thor has played so well. Him and Monte have played the same position that we just would rather have Thor out there, which is an honest answer. And I appreciated it. It's, it's too bad for Monte. I think he needs to maybe shoot better to, to kind of find the floor. But I just think Thor becoming somebody that you can't take off the floor for Fred Hoiberg, that, that to me just says a lot. Looking at today's game, another ranked opponent, back-to-back Saturdays of taking on the number 24 team in the country. I think Hoiberg said something. Nebraska, they're, they're like last in the league in scoring in the paint or around the rim, something like that. How how do they find a way to get that any better against uh, Penn State, who, you know, defends the paint fairly well? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is an interesting game, I think, because Nebraska, they're the I think they're the worst team in the country in like so fourteen percent of their shots get blocked, which is the highest percentage in the country, and uh, Penn State leads the Big Ten in blocked shots, and so there's something that. There's something to that. Like, I, I think, I mean, they're not dumb. Nebraska's not dumb. Um, they don't want to challenge. Fred Herbert talks about this all the time, especially with Rutgers. Like, you don't want to go in and challenge big guys. Like, he basically sees it as a turnover. If you go in there and you try and challenge and you either get your shot blocked or it gets, like, you know, altered in some in some way. And there's been times when Nebraska's gotten into a habit of, like, you have to do the, you need to, you need to attack the rim. But that doesn't mean that you have to attack the rim in a way that you're going to try and shoot over a big guy like Mike Watkins or Lamar Stevens. And so what Nebraska wants to do, what they need to do, their paint touches and their paint points will probably come from um, from basically driving and kicking. And the one thing that Fred Herbert really wants is long closeouts. So, <clears throat> I mean, if you kind of think of it as this is going to be a weird metaphor, so just stay with me. But, like, if you if you, like, <laughs> if you, like, fill up a bucket of water and then you get like a spoon and you start like in a circular motion and start to kind of like go in a circle as faster and faster and faster. That's what you want to do on offense, right? You just want to kind of create so much movement that something can slip through and you can get that backdoor cut or you can, you know, get that flip screen or you can just get something that you get an easy layup rather than you're trying to force it and try and find something at the rim. And so I'm curious what Nebraska's paint points look like tonight. I think that they have to shoot from three extremely well. Um, I think that they need to get out and, and run, and I think they'll, they'll be able to. Penn State is the third fastest team in the Big Ten. Nebraska's the fastest. Um, so I think this could kind of become a track meet. I think the interesting thing tonight is on the defensive end. I don't know what Nebraska's going to be able to do to stop Lamar Stevens and uh, Miles Dredd. And, I mean, they've got and Penn State. I think this, this is the year for, for Pat Chambers and Penn State. So they, they kind of can't afford to lose this one. Um, but Nebraska is kind of in this desperation mode where I think they need something good to happen to kind of keep the, the good vibes going and, and kind of keep them feeling okay about the season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the paint is always important, but tonight's going to be really interesting because Nebraska basically can't score in there no matter what. But this is the you know best paint defense, I think, with, with both blocks and, and the Big Ten. So I'm curious kind of how they'll get points there. Last minute here with Chris Hetty. I like first of all, I like that that metaphor with just having the the kind of tornado effect of the yeah, water. But, when yeah. when I was in high school, my dad always called it, and he was our coach. Use three sides of the floor. If you get it to the right side, mm-hmm. back to the left, back to the right, you make the defense move enough. And we we've seen that with these droughts that Nebraska's either as Hoiberg said, the ball doesn't get in Cam Mack's hands, or they just start kind of standing around, especially when Michigan went to that zone in the second half. That was a big uh, part of that drought, and they start settling for shots. What are you seeing? I know I've said that I'd like to see maybe when they get on some of these droughts, Hoiberg just call a set play to get a good shot that they that they need. Uh, what, what are you seeing from this offense during the droughts? Yeah, during the droughts, it, I mean, Cam Mack said it pretty well. Like this is they they try and do a Superman play, like they try and kind of do it on themselves, and so. Yeah, I think the the ball gets out of Cam's hands. I just think they panic a little bit. Um, and you know, this isn't necessarily a criticism of Fred Hoiberg, but the way that he he likes to coach is he doesn't. If there's something that's going that he sees going wrong, he doesn't call timeout immediately and and like fix it and then go back out there. He would rather them try and figure it out and then talk about it in timeout and just just as a learning opportunity. And so I think what happens is 
there'll be a couple of possessions in a row where you, that, that's when you'll finally see like the first mid-range jumper of the game, <laughs> or you'll see um, Ivan take on John Teske when you know that that's not a very efficient play, or you'll see someone force a shot when you know that that's not what they were looking for in that play, or you'll see them walk the ball up and you know that's not what they want to do. So I just think it's kind of when they fall back into habits that they learned prior to getting to Nebraska and they start to think like, all right, well, I haven't scored in a while and we're not doing anything, so I'm going to go try and get mine real quick. And that's what you thats what you don't want. And that's what um, the Iowa State teams were so good at under Hoiberg was they didn't really have that, like, I need to go get mine real quick um, mentality. It was kind of like, let's all, like, if we all just play the way we're supposed to do, we'll, we'll all score quite a bit. So I just, I just see some, to be honest, just some selfish plays. Um, and, and I think that Fred would agree with that. And I think the players would agree with that. Um, the problem is, is that those plays add up I mean, six straight games, getting down by 14 or more. Just, it's just too much. It's just, you can't do that. And so again, tonight, it's, 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 I think it's really important that Nebraska is able to, cause they were with Michigan. Like they really were, they were up 52 50. It, it was an ugly game up, even up until that point, but you thought like, okay, well they're in it. Um, and I think just what Nebraska can't have is they can't have an eight minute stretch where, you know, I think they. I think after they took the fifty-two fifty lead, they missed twenty-one of their next twenty-six shots. Like that, just I mean, that just can't happen. Like you have to play like a Division One basketball team, play together, and try and avoid that, and actually play within the game and not try and force your shot. Chris Hetty, Omaha World Herald, he'll be there at the PBA today covering that game, and then tomorrow, Chris, I'm giving you permission to feel optimistic. Just let it go, man. They're gonna win. It's gonna everyone happen. Everyone in my everyone in my life keeps. Keep telling me that, and I just, I just, refu- I just refuse. Like and again, this, uh, I'm going in in the same way I went in the last Star Wars movie, right? I have, uh. I have extremely low expectations, so anything that goes well that I like is gonna like feel like a victory. So just, I just don't want them to lose by a lot. But if it's close, then I'll be okay with it. I'm just trying to guard my heart, Cole. Just open it up. It'll be okay. <laughs> It'll feel it'll feel good either way, I guess. But hey, have have fun watching with your kids. It's gonna be really cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Um, we're we're uh, we're all coming into this together, and they have no idea the struggle that I've been through to make it to this point. But I'm happy right. for them regardless. Dude, I have I have three nieces that are infants that have never been alive for a cheap flop, which is just <laughs> an unbelievable fact. In life. It's just it's just bizarre. They don't know the pain of the world. Either. No, no, and hopefully they never do with Patrick Mahomes. It'll be a, a yeah, very long true. time. Yeah, Chris Hetty, thanks for the time. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you at PBA today. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. All right, that is Chris Hetty of the Omaha World Herald, covering Nebraska basketball and uh, plenty more as well. But um, yeah, good stuff there. Cam Mack into the top 10 all-time single-season assists. Yes. He's he's doing some things that are pretty impressive considering that it's on a 7-14 and 14 team. Um, I mean, Nebraska's got opportunities to, to maybe change that around, but I think you you can feel pretty optimistic about the future with a kid like that on your team and the guys that you see that they're coming. You in. ever heard of these guys, uh, Cookie and Ty Lue? Who? I've never heard of them. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> nothing. All right, more to come here on the KLI and Husker Hour and uh, some Nebraska recruiting news. Uh, some good, some bad. It's a mixed bag. Uh, we'll get to that when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLI and Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Back here on the KLIN Husker Hour, Chris Hetty just joining us in our last segment. And uh, fellow Chiefs fan, we got some good karma going for Super Bowl Sunday tomorrow. Uh, let's uh, let's dig in a little bit to this football stuff, Caleb, because we we saw some uh, movement with uh, we had a junior day. Uh, there's some official visits uh, that are happening right around the last signing period. The really. Not much of a signing period anymore for Nebraska since they loaded up so much on the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a little bit going on. So R.J. Sorensen from 2021, we'll get the bad news out of the way first. He's a decommit now. He was the only one of the four commits Nebraska had for the 2021 class that was out of the 500-mile radius. He's from Florida. Yeah. Um, so he's no longer a part of the class. And uh, moving on somewhere else, he was a 6'4", 233-star. Uh, now on to the guys who are still considering the Huskers. There's uh, one that 
just went to Missouri. Um, who who was gonna? He had officially visited Nebraska. He canceled another official and committed to Missouri. Uh, one, I believe he canceled his Florida State or Florida State canceled the official on him or something. Is that? I think that's what happened. Did he say no? You can't break up. You can't fire me. I quit. Is that basically? Yeah, I think. Right. Oh, you you canceled it. I'm committing to Missouri. So he's gone. Um, Tanoa Togai. He is a D lineman down to four schools. He's a 2020 guy, so would count for this class. Mm-hmm. Um, he's down to four. Nebraska, K State, Washington, Utah. He's six six two ninety five out of the state of Idaho, um, and uh, would uh, again bolster that D line. They've really, really revamped it. Uh, over the last two classes. Is that one of the last states Nebraska has not had a scholarship player from? I don't know. They got Avery Roberts out of Delaware, mm-hmm. and that was one of them that they hadn't ever had somebody come from. I feel like Idaho's one of the final states, and then yeah. obviously, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know about Alaska and Hawaii, but when you when you look at the continental states... Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's Idaho's not very populated. See, that that's the thing that makes it difficult, and that's does it really matter if you if you don't get guys out of a certain state? No. Yes, we're on a mission, Caleb. But every it's, state, it's one of the cool little statistic things. Yeah, it is. That that would be that would be something if uh, if they were able to pull that off. Um, I think one to watch on the transfer market for Nebraska uh, is a D tackle from Clemson. Yeah, I saw that Xavier Kelly. So he's originally from Wichita. He was a four-star coming out of high school, top 100 overall recruit in the 2016 class. Redshirted at Clemson, played three years uh, in his four seasons total at Clemson. They won two national championships. That's not too shabby for him. Um, he's 6'4", 305. Um, initially, it looks like he's been linked to Arkansas. That might where he be where he's leaning. Um, but I, the, the old Nebraska staff was in on him. It's obviously a new staff now. But Wichita's pretty close to Lincoln. Um, if he wants to move closer to home, Nebraska would certainly, uh, I would think, welcome him. They, they certainly had good luck with a Power 5 D-tackle transfer last season in Darian Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be something to watch. Uh, and then in the coaching market, Sean Snyder is still not officially official, but the rumors his, are pretty strong. And his Twitter Yeah, the Twitter bio has been changed. He's now a former K-State staffer. Uh, which is always funny because we in the media read the tea leaves and the fans and the message boards. Everything well, if you're crazy. not there, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> and there was also the thought that Texas would be after him. Mm-hmm. They have since filled that position yep. for you know special teams coordinator, special teams staffer. I don't know what his title would be. He wouldn't be one of the 10 Mm-mm. assistants that's a full-timer that gets to go on the road and recruiting. Um, but K-State and special teams, and Bill Snyder hung his hat on that yeah. to a certain extent. Um, right up there with Frank Beamer in terms of uh, really strong special teams. So that would be, uh, uh, I think, a step in the right direction. I kind of wondered aloud on this show whether or not when Jovan DeWitt left from North Carolina, if Nebraska might spend one of the 10 full-timer spots on special teams. They didn't, uh, but this would be, uh, I think, a welcome addition to the staff. No, Definitely. When you look at, well, first of all, we, we've talked about this at times with whether it's a staff member or a player, what is their pedigree? Yep. Sean Snyder's got a good pedigree. Oh, yeah, and he's got good bloodlines. Um, if you haven't heard about this guy named Bill Snyder, um, he did basically miracle work in Manhattan, <laughs> Kansas, turned the worst program in football into uh, a national championship contender a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so that would be uh, that would be a nice development if the Huskers can get him. Um, all right, we're going to have to get to another break here. Uh, run down what's going on uh, this weekend and this week. Uh, with the Huskers uh, and preview a little bit more with Nebraska and Penn State today. And a school record was broken this week. A school record. Ooh, Ooh, that's a tease. Uh, The women in action later today as well. Both of them on KLIN. The women against, or excuse me, the women tomorrow against Ohio State on KLIN. That's a two two o'clock tip. The men tonight at six with five o'clock pregame right here on KLIN. We're back with all of that and more here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. A little bit more KLIN Husker Hour here on Super Bowl weekend. I am just a little excited for the Kansas City Chiefs to be in the big game. I still don't know 
how I'm going to feel about like I there's so much coverage and and writing and I have just been buried in it. Last night I stayed up I prepped for this show too, but I also read like seven different Chiefs articles and watched like five more NFL.com videos. Like I am all over all of it. Some of it's repetitive. Okay, a lot of it's repetitive. But I, there's so much of it I can't get enough, and it's all my team. And and even when they talk about the other team, it's it's in reference to how my team matches up with it. I, it's it's awesome. You should you should no, have your good. team. I'm I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. Are you? I yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so, I'm so re, I'm so just reserved to what the Bears are right now. That yeah, it it's fine. Now the, we 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 were talking about some of the decommits yeah, the for for Nebraska football. Um, oh yeah, I forgot one, didn't we? Yeah, well, it, kind of a transfer. Yep. Um, in in Jalen Bradley, who had a heck of a senior year in state. Bellevue West. But then just really didn't ha- didn't get touches, didn't even really see the field yeah. um, over the last couple of years. Now that um, and obviously we want him to, we want everyone to be successful. Um, whether it's at Nebraska, or you go somewhere else and be successful. That's fine. These are all young men that that made a decision. He made a decision to stay in state. I want him to be successful wherever he goes. He's in the transfer portal. Running back room depth. Now we don't want Wandale Robinson getting nearly 100 carries out of the backfield nope. because it's better if he can be on the edge a little bit so you can put more playmakers on the field. So obviously you've got Dedrick Mills. Yep. You've got Ramir Johnson. Yep. And then... You want to know what you get out of Ronald Tompkins coming off of the injury he redshirted last year. Yeah. I really think that third spot um, for, for scholarship guys, because there's Brody Belt, obviously, mm. uh, but for scholarship guys, I think freshmen coming in from Oklahoma, Savion Morrison, yep. the six foot back. I think he is setting himself up to be that number three on the depth chart to start twenty twenty. Yeah, of course. There's like it's a really deep class. Just it's a really young room. Mm. Yeah, and you have Marvin Scott uh, coming out of Florida as well. He's five nine, two hundred. Um, not as big as Savion Morrison, but. He can maybe do some of the things that Wandale Robinson did for you. I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. comparing the two, but just in terms of their size and their and the speed of Scott, you wouldn't have to use Robinson as much as a running back. I th- from just the sense I got from the coaching staff, they want Robinson to be able to be a receiver more. Yeah, and so if you don't have to lean on him in the run game like they had to a few times in 2019, I think that's going to be better for the offense overall. And it's better for him. I think he stays yeah. healthier if he's not running between the tackles. You mean 27 carries a game is not going to get? Yeah, that was. Hey, they had to do it. That was the only way they were winning that Illinois yeah. game, and uh, that's what he did. Um, so yeah, Jalen Bradley you mentioned his 2017. Um, record-breaking season, or the 2017 class, 2016 record-breaking season, 2,915 uh, yards and 50 touchdowns. 24 of those came in the four games in the playoffs. And he set a career record for yards rushed. The previous record, mm-hmm. I don't know, just a guy who was an All-American at Oklahoma and then won a Super Bowl with the Niners. That's an okay, like, that's good company to be in. If someone's going to go be an All-American, think about Oklahoma's running backs in the 80s. Yeah. They weren't bad. No. Um, while we're on football, really quick, we're going to give you our weekly poll. Um, something that we're going to try to do going forward and get these out there. This one, we looking at 2023, Minnesota and Nebraska set to open the season mm-hmm. on a Thursday. So how do you feel about starting a football season with a Thursday game against a conference divisional opponent? Good, bad, indifferent? You'd be okay with it if it was not conference. So this is interesting because Minnesota, um, not only would it be a, a home game for Minnesota, they do this every year. Uh, Minnesota is, I, I don't know how many years in a row, but... They've only... Oh, they they host, every year since 2012. Since 2012, okay. Yep. So they're hosting a Thursday opener regardless of the year, and now with the Big Ten wanting to do these games earlier and earlier, Nebraska's opening with Purdue in 2020. They're playing out in Ireland to open the year against Illinois the following season. Uh, 2023, they're doing it with Minnesota, and Minnesota gets that Thursday game. They're used to it. Um, I don't think it's going to really matter whether or not Nebraska's used to it because it's the first game of the year. You can adjust your schedule accordingly. Um, I, I mean, I'm fine. It's yeah. whatever. I, I'm, more, I'm more of the mind of if you're going to play that opener – um, like that's more of the debate to me 
is like whether or not that opening game is is the way to do it. And I think it probably is because the way the SEC structures their schedules, uh, there's no reason the Big Ten shouldn't be doing that. You front load your your conference mm-hmm. games, and it allows you to have one of those buy games against a uh, cupcake late in the year. Yeah. Um, that's I mean the Big Ten plays with their hand behind their one hand tied behind their back a lot compared to what the SEC does. So um, I think that's fine and good. Um, and yeah, I'm interested to see what the results of that poll end up being, Caleb, because there's there's you can make an argument on either side of it. Yeah, you get the prep going into that game, and you get extended prep in the next week. Vote at KLI on Huskers on Twitter. That's right. All right, back with uh, the show wrapping up right after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Wrapping up the show here on a Saturday morning. If you missed anything that we've talked about today, including our chat with Chris Hetty of the Omaha World Herald, you can catch up on our podcast page at KLIN.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at KLIN Huskers. Uh, women's basketball in action against Ohio State, Caleb. Yeah, tomorrow they'll be taking on Ohio State. Actually, wrestling going on before that, so it's a big Ohio State and Lincoln day. Yep. Um, Nebraska women are they've in the lightest bracketology. Were a ten, lost to Minnesota. Um, so trying to figure out where that team is going forward. Five and five in the conference, I believe it is. But in that loss at Minnesota, Kate Kane as a junior now has two hundred and forty-one career blocks. She's got, the, she's got the school record, does not have the family record. Her mom's got 268. <laughs> Looking ahead to this week, we've got men's basketball today against Penn State right here on KLIN at 6. Tomorrow, wrestling and women's basketball taking on Ohio State. Thursday, women's basketball is at number 18, Iowa. That'll be here on KLIN. Softball gets their season started uh, five games in four days beginning Thursday. And then number 6, wrestling at number 13, Purdue this next Friday. Softball already underway. Football right around the corner. Exactly. Too. Base- baseball, yeah, had their fan fest last night yeah we're in february we made it it's starting stuff's uh stuff's rolling all right thanks again for joining us um the xfl starts next week as well there's a five there's a few huskers Huskers, yep uh that are in that league too hey go chiefs go chiefs and go big red